Yeah, but I'm not going to do that here. You're not going to do that here? Nope. You, you said you were bringing that big dick energy to this, energy to this podcast. All right, that's enough, that's, that's enough of that. Welcome to Practice Shooting After Dark. <laughs> I am your, uh, your honorary host for tonight. On deck tonight, we have Mr. Matt Hopkins. Hi. Mr. Juanchit Kim. Hello. And an audio only, but just as crazy, Mr. Ben Stegner. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, well, guys, Ben is uh, traveling. Have gun will travel, so I'm uh, I'm running the show, I guess, for tonight. I can't you guys wait. know the Do drill. Do a good job, Joel. Do a good job. <laughs> I know the expectations set pretty high. I think. Absolutely. Uh huh. All right. Uh, so you guys know the deal. Everybody comes here with a topic. Um, who wants to go first? Mine's not that exciting. It's just the gear stuff. I want okay, to you're going at the end. Fuck the gear. We gotta leave. <laughs> I got it this weekend shooting. Heavy. So all right, it's for Matt. Mad about something, Matt? No, I'm not mad about nothing, dude. <laughs> something funny you're gonna say? No, probably not. God damn it! I'm gonna all talk right, about well, a match I attended recently. Right? I don't have anything any better. So you fire away, dude. All right. So I just got back from the Utah State. USPSA championship held in Salt Lake City, Utah. You might say, why did I go to Salt Lake City to shoot a state match, right? So Mm -hmm. this is the question. Originally, I had planned to go to NRA show, but NRA canceled that show. So I had plane tickets for that already bought. So I literally, I just moved the plane tickets from going to Houston to Salt Lake City. I was actually gone one less day than planned. So I went and shot Utah state match. They were very accommodating, getting me in at the last minute. They had me on a squad, all ready to go. I actually didn't know anybody on the squad. This is the first time that I've never personally shot with anybody that I haven't known for quite a long time. And it was actually very, very fun. Oh, cool. The See, group man, of, you're living life the way I do now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It was it was a good time. So all the most of the shooters were from Vegas or California. Uh, they were a very very wide range of skill levels. So no one was they weren't all the same skill level. They all had different divisions they shot. Um, they all basically knew each other, and I was kind of like the outcast that didn't know anybody. But it all worked out. They were very accommodating and talking and everything, and it looked it was really good. Uh, a little bit about the match. They had 15 stages. One of them was a Kronos of 14 stages. I think the round count was 200 and uh, I think it was right at 300 rounds. So not super bad. If you divide that out, it's it's not like 32 rounds per stage or anything like that. So they had a wide variety. They had short courses. They had medium courses. They had long courses. They had single hand shooting. They had a bunch of different activators. Uh, they had water on every stage. They had. Oh, talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the important part, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they had awards for all the class winners. They didn't have overall awards. I don't know if that was just an oversight or that's how they chose to do it. I've never shot the match before. I know this was the first year for the match director, but not the first year for the match. Uh, just could have been that. I would like to see at least overall trophies for the division winners. On top of the class trophies. Uh, Stages overall were... I would say they were more on a... 
kind of like a fast pace, like higher hit factor shooting compared to other matches where it's lower hit factor. It's not something I've excelled at in the past, so I was glad to see that I could perform at a certain level that I thought was acceptable on a higher hit factor stage, uh, getting all the points that I needed to or that were required. They had a a very, very, very tough memory stage. And I spent, I think, an hour figuring it out the day before so I could oh, wow. shoot it subconsciously the day after. And that was like our third stage of the first day. So I had to... I had to for sure get that stage and memorize that one the day before. If you went up to that stage before, like during your five minutes, there's no way you got it. You had mics and FTEs and everything else. So that was about it. Uh, They had a 25-yard weekend-only shot. You had a choice (laughs) on that. You could either shoot a open paper target or shoot poppers. And they so they had like... Freestyle reload weekend only, and you could either shoot the paper or the steel ray, and it went from like nine to twenty-five yards on paper and steel. So it was kind of pick your choice. Obviously, I shot the steel weekend only just because <laughs> Make margin sure of error. It. If I if I missed it, I knew I would miss it, and I could mm-hmm. make it up. So I actually only had one makeup shot on that, so I was actually super proud about that. Um. You said the first day, Matt. Was there is it multiple days for sure? Yeah, it was. It was multiple days. We shot nine stages the first day and six stages the second day. One of those which was chrono, so it didn't really count. But yeah, it was good. They had a bunch of cowboy props, so we got to run around in like a church chapel and like shoot inside and outside of the church chapel. It was pretty neat. Uh, it looked like a a cowboy. Uh, organization or group kind of had main control over the club. So there were cowboy props everywhere, like a saloon, a jail. Um, they had stage coaches. They even had a mock like train. Oh, wow. It, it was pretty neat. We didn't get to shoot around that, but we shot right in front of it. So they had a bunch of props. They like, it was a very professional rain match. So it was very good. Nice. For me, Utah is definitely one of the states that I expect pretty high. So my experience so far shooting matches in Utah, uh, I've been to Salt Lake City too. Uh, according to the experience, uh, when I go Utah, I automatically expect, oh, Utah, they're going to do a good job putting uh, difficult stages, good challenges. And I see a lot of uh, competitive shooters there, like the Two-Gun Nationals, uh, USPSA Two-Gun Nationals, all the national champions, including lady national champions, were all from Utah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm. Very cool. Sounds excellent. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever been to Salt Lake City to shoot or any time, so I was there. I was kind of surprised by the mountains around it. <laughs> and it was it was good weather. It felt like SUPS a lot, so mild heat, but there was no humidity, so every time you like you sweated it dried off right away. If you weren't watching, you had to you could get dehydrated just because you don't feel wet like from sweat or anything. Just from what I'm used to in the Midwest. So I had to stay on top of my hydration and all that, like more so than normal, just because like you feel sweating and you just drink a ton of water in between. But that was it. Gotcha. Very cool. That sounds excellent. Uh, Mr. Ben, I think you have a, an interesting topic for us. Oh, did I tell you what it is? 
Well, it's I know okay. what it is, but I would like to hear more about it. You should tell me more. Fine. All right. So uh, I, don't, I don't usually do a trip rundown or whatever, but I took a pretty interesting trip recently, and I thought I'd talk about it. Um, you guys want to get a sense of what my schedule is like sometimes. Uh, so I, I went to Poland for teaching and uh, a match. So uh, I landed at 10 o'clock at night uh, on a Monday. And I had four days of classes uh, out at the range, like, uh, you know, the normal, you know, shoot all day type of thing mm-hmm. outdoors. Then I uh, had a, uh, the, their nationals was going on in Poland over the weekend, which was like an hour and a half from where I was staying. So it was drive out there, shoot nine stages, drive back, drive back to Warsaw. And I did that for a couple of days. We'll talk more about the match in a second. And then I had another four days of teaching. And then... <laughs> Then I left. Holy I was, crap. I was, uh, my legs are pretty smoked by the end of that. I'm not going to lie. Because I usually walk, I walk like 12 to 15 miles a day there mm-hmm. when I was teaching. So it was like, I'm just on my feet all day. Wow. Yeah. Two day class is normally like enough to, uh, you know, to make me kind of tired. So yeah, you get it. Yeah. Uh, that's so a lot. That's a lot. Their, I want to talk about their nationals. Um, it was 18 stages, like I said, shot in two days. You either shot from, uh, I think, 9 to 1 or 2 to 7, something like that. Okay. 2 to 6, whatever it was. Um, okay, so over the course of these stages, I think there was like uh, 18 stages. They had more than 40 moving targets, I think. Like I remember a couple of medium courses, I think, that had six on the same stage. Like twenty-two wow. round stage with like six movers, so like more than half the shots of the stage on moving targets. Like it was super moving target heavy. Um, really nice people. I really like the shooting culture there. So get those guys. All the range officers were nice. There would that nobody made was making fucked up calls or anything. That was cool. Um, the competitors were nice. None of them were pushing for anything they didn't deserve or anything like that. So like kind of on both ends, it was a really good, it's a really good environment. I enjoyed that quite a lot. And because there were so many uh, moving targets, people complained. They didn't like that part about the match. And that was okay to do. That didn't like cause a blow up. People were like, hey, there's too many moving targets. And the regional director said that'd be like the president of their, their organizations. It's like, yeah, there's too many fucking movers. So we're not going to have it here again next year. We're going to move it. Wow. And I was like, okay. Cool. It was amazing, actually, to be shooting in a functional shooting sports organization. <laughs> Revolutionary, almost, some might uh-huh. say. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. Matt, you look like you were going to start crying from laughter. No, no, I'm good. I had to. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm just saying. So uh, in a lot of respects, it was a very nice experience. So even though like and they hated the match, I want to be honest, like all of that, like the, their opinion was that the match was was crazy. Uh, and I, I put up some footage of the stages on uh, YouTube. All the stages went up or will go up in training group if people want to see them. Uh, it was too moving target heavy in fairness. It was a little goofy, like the swinging, the double swinging plate targets, the Mickey Mouse. Yep. Matt, you have one at your club. I think the yeah. match had six of those in it. Oh, wow. That's a lot in 18 stages and and there's a lot more where that came from like it was it was out of control in fairness yeah it looked very difficult so 
you just said you shot what did you say nine stages correct yeah in four hours yeah that's what happened it was okay so eight person squads uh so i did talk with the regional director the regional director they're super smart and like i said that's the president essentially think of it the same guy same role uh just smart and he understood matches and he wanted he made very clear to me that the the match i was shooting was not like other matches in poland the other matches are way better he made sure I understood that. It's unusual there to see a squad over 10. You're almost never going to see it. Wow. Uh, the squad I shot on was eight people. Was it self-resetting, Ben? No. Come on, dude. It was Nationals. Nationals, cool. <laughs> Just had to ask the question. No. Ain't nobody got time for that shit at Nationals. <laughs> it's an important match there. They take uh-huh. it seriously. They don't run it like, uh, you know, like got a club it. match where, yeah, uh-huh. just making that. You know, making that distinction. Just so you understand that. Uh, what about the, like the? I know it was very heavy in moving targets. Were they consistent? Did they have any different takes or anything differently that we don't do as far as? <laughs> indeed, indeed, they did. So uh, again, these were controversial targets, but they had up-down bobbers set mm-hmm. thirteen to fifteen yards away leaving six inches or less of the target exposed and no shoot underneath it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I shoot on movers a lot sometimes and it was stuff like being honest, like I can't do it every time and I don't know anybody that can. And I know a lot of the guys. So, uh, I mean, they had stuff like, uh, like it was too much, you know, in that way, but but at least they made it consistent and put it everywhere in the match, you know, (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, oh, you got hammered on stage three. Just just wait for stage four. <laughs> the one video you posted on, I think, Facebook and Instagram, that up-down bobber that you just explained, yeah. that looked yes. like a very, very spicy target. Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you look at that and you're like, fuck me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn. I was like, wow, that's, that's an aggressive target. <laughs> yes, that's a very aggressive target. Um, yeah, but the, the cult, the shooting culture there, like I said, was, was really good. Um, you, you know, it was a good way of solving problems. Like there was one RO that was a dickhead, honestly, like to our squad. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be working the nationals again. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like, I was, yeah, again, it was just having that kind of attitude. It's amazing. It's crazy what it does for you. Well, sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, I, I, I think we should go to the next. I don't want to make you hyperventilate anymore, Joel, about the crazy stuff I might say. So we can, we uh, can move I, on to Juan's if you'd like. Perfect. I think that's an excellent <laughs> idea. <laughs> Before we go into that, uh, I saw a footage of Polish uh, Extreme Open too. Yes. So Very I'm assuming flavor. that's a good match. Uh, well, that's run by Lubor Novak. Right. Um, because it's very close to the Czech Republic. So that's it's basically run by the same crew as as mm-hmm. we do it in Hodenice in right. Czech. So, yes, I think that's a good match. Um, it would kind of if you're an American thinking about flying to one of those two, it would just come down to where you like the gun laws better. Basically, where it's easier to get in. Uh, but uh, I should tell you this year, there was no helpers at the Czech match that was self reset. But the one in Poland did have helpers. And you were not resetting. 
Uh, because somebody's going to ask, Ben, any issues flying to Poland with guns? No, I mean... Greg, I mean, you're kind of a veteran of the process. There's nothing, nothing in particular. It's just, it's a bunch of bullshit you have to do. It's just a bunch of paperwork you have to sort out ahead of time. And it's always the same story. You're going to get to the border and the, you're going to, you're going to have all the right stuff and the border guard's going to want to call their boss, you know, because, oh, you know, here's this situation I've never had before. I mean, it's pretty much the same story everywhere. Okay. So, yeah, it's not a big deal. You just okay. have to do the legwork. All right, Mr. Did you Kim. White or oh, brown targets? Uh, I had white for my classes and brown okay. in the match. Polish Extreme had white shoot targets, red no shoots. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. Yeah. Interesting. So, only thing I could say is kind of think about that if you're planning on shooting an Ipsic match, that you might not be shooting brown cardboard targets. They might be white. Yes, which is objectively better. Yeah. Is there like a specific reason for that? Is it like a terrain thing or a a contrast thing or? It's a contrast thing, I think, is why they started doing that. Okay. It's some IPSC matches. I mean, it is way higher contrast. You can definitely see what's happening a lot more easily. Sure. You can't see the scoring rings any more easily, but you can definitely see where stuff's landing. You're right. And you have a lot of contrast against your site. I could definitely see that against your site. That would be, I think, quite a bit different. So it's definitely better in that way. If you want a higher contrast, kind of like, I guess you'd say it's easier. Okay. Professor, right. who would you like to talk about, sir? Yes. So uh, Carry Optics Nationals is coming pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So I finalized my match gun. Of course, uh, hopefully everybody's shooting Carry Optics Nationals. Uh, you're... Your finalized ammo, uh, you finalized your gun setup, hopefully. Uh, hopefully backup gun as well. Pretty important. Especially in carry optics, the optic is one of the finicky one. So I kind of wanted to talk about the optic, uh, my final yeah. setup. Because it's different than the last year or the year before. Um, so the year before, I was shooting Romeo 3 Max. And the year prior to that, I was shooting uh, SRO. And the year before that, I was shooting Delta Point. So I actually shot many different optics at this point, but not necessarily like many different companies. Uh, I haven't tried um, uh, what's the what's the one the five ten C company which is popular. Hollow Sun. Yes, Hollow Sun is very popular. Uh, I haven't personally owned one, but I I've tried my friends, uh, which I heard is broke somewhere around twenty thousand rounds. Uh, Delta Point, before they made an improvement in the circuit board, uh, I was breaking around every 7,000, broke like 10 of them. So that's why I uh, got into SRO 2.5, and I shot that in 2019 Nationals. Uh, it's running really good. However, the problem at the match, it was in Utah. Uh, the sand got into it too, and there was double dot. So basically, if you're shooting facing the sun, there's a fake dot on your window. Uh, when especially when there's dirt, it kind of glares even bigger. So it's really hard to differentiate which is the real one or the fake one. So basically, I can say the fake dot is about 2.5 MOA size. And if you're shooting 2.5 MOA, which I was at the time, uh, it's going to be very difficult to see which one's which. And then last year, I shot Romeo 3 Max in a 3 MOA. So basically, when I switched 
uh, SRO to Romeo Max, I really didn't see much of a difference. Both are circular window, uh, optic height, very similar. So it was just natural transition. But they break too. Uh, mine broke, it started breaking at around like 5,000, like zero changing. And then there's an easy fix to that. But at around 20,000 rounds, just optic just gave up. Every recoil, the dot is just disappearing. And then after a couple of shots, it's appearing again. Uh, and then SRO, I've been shooting in practice uh, with SRO, with, even if I'm shooting Romeo 3, because the footprint, everything looks the same, index is the same. So my practice gun SRO has 1,200, wait, 120,000 rounds plus on that SRO. Mm -hmm. At that 120,000 rounds, it kind of glitched a little bit, but then I kept messing around with the lock mode, whatever what it is, and then it started functioning properly too. So it's still functioning properly right now but since there is that issue with the fake dot uh, i tried 5 moa sro and also i tried 6 moa delta point because the delta point circuit board is now uh, much better um, i have shot the delta point 6 moa the half of first half of this year with pretty good success but then when i'm shooting facing the sun the delta point brightness setting wise it doesn't have as high of a setting as SRO or Romeo Max. So it doesn't get super bright, like a sun glare to, yeah, super bright. Uh, so when I'm shooting the sun against the sun, the dot is not anymore red. It's almost like a uh, orange color. So it's kind of washed out orange color. And if you're facing the sun, in the morning time especially the background may be orange-ish too so it's it's not as bright so i was pretty feeling uncomfortable when i was shooting facing the sun so now when i shoot sro5 moa yes there's a fake dot in the sun however the fake dot size is like 2.5 moa at the brightest however when i shoot 5 moa since the dot is fatter i can differentiate which is a fake one and which is the real one a lot easier so I'm shooting SRO5 MOA. Uh, I did only one downside with SRO is that double fake dot. The window quality is not as on par, but the reliability cannot be beaten. And also the price point isn't as expensive as Romeo Max. It's slightly more than Delta Point. So price range wise, it's worth investing because it's going to last pretty much forever. So this is something that I would recommend people uh, really look into because I understand how people would like to go uh, Hollow Sun because the price, I think Hollow Sun is the cheapest out of all the brand names I mentioned over here. Uh, in terms of price, yeah, it may be good, but if you think about it's going to break, then actually spending maybe a couple hundred more dollars or maybe it's not even a couple more. Uh, last one I bought 5MOA1 was $500 shipped. Uh, I'm not sure how much is Holoson, but if you kind of think about the round count wise, SRO is definitely worth going. Um, and, Mr. Kim. Yes. Can I share my experiences with my SROs? Yes, please. Yes, please. So I have a couple of Glock 34s that I uh, have SROs on I use for work. I've had the guns for, I don't know, two years maybe? Mm -hmm. I think two years. Um, I mounted the, mounted the dots. Yeah. To the like to the instructions, turned them on and left them on. Mm -hmm. um, 
I left both dots on for a year and a half and then I like caved in and changed the batteries on both. They never turned off. I mean, they were just on the whole time. Um, I've shot like, I don't know, 30 to 50,000 rounds each gun. I don't know exactly. Mostly gold dots, so relatively spicy stuff. Mm -hmm. I've never had even the dots shift to zero. <laughs> and I yeah. do not take care of them. I'm not, yeah. I'm not nice to my stuff. I like rack. I rack them off the dots. I rack the dot on tables. So I, yes. my my experience is very good. Like as far as with that track record for me personally, I could give a shit about a double dot. I leave my glass covered most of the time anyway, so I don't <laughs> I don't experience the glare. <laughs> yeah, the battery life is definitely one upside too. Like Delta Point, uh, Romeo Max, that definitely requires more uh, battery change pretty often. Uh, also, if you're looking into good carry optic option, so if you are considering carrying or something, 5MOA is a really good option. Uh, that it, it has an auto brightness adjust setting. So it depends on where you draw the gun. Uh, if it's a, against the sun or if it's a, in, in your bathroom with the light off, the brightness adjusts automatically. Uh, I experienced 2.5 is a little too small for pistol shooting. If you're shooting rifle and shooting 100 yards, uh, 2.5 will be okay. But 5 MOA auto say, adjust. Can I just really say, good. add one more thing? Yes, please. My, my SROs are both 2.5s. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's too small, but what I can tell you is I have exactly the ones once it told me to, told me to buy at the time. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this mm -hmm. is his fault. <laughs> the funny thing is, if you actually compare 5 MOA and 2.5 side by side at the highest adjustable uh, brightness setting, it looks about the same because both are so bright enough to make it super glary. So you're not going to be able to tell if it's a 5MOA or 2.5, but only when you're looking through the sun, the glare disappears because it kind of washes it out. In that case, I can tell at the brightness setting, highest brightness setting, uh, this is 5 and this is 2.5. And that's why I can differentiate fake dot versus a real dot. That's the only difference I find on both of them. Uh, Carry Optics National this year is going to be the biggest nationals and I'm pretty excited. It's like almost 300 people signed up for Carry Up Nationals and 290 for Open. So it's, I think it's going to be the biggest nationals uh, ever for it's one division. It's definitely going to be very interesting. The, uh, yes. the competition is very, very high there. I was mm -hmm. looking yesterday actually and there are like 49 grandmasters mm -hmm. wow and like 72 or 70 something masters so there's over 110 masters and grandmasters in the match yep if you're literally just looking at classes that's just one way to see how how steep the competition will be mm-hmm should be interesting mr kim i'm sure you'll uh, oh, yeah. get some footage you'll drop it on training group Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. You're looking sounds, forward to that. Sounds awesome. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm saving but, saving my energy for that for sure. So I'm playing okay. a computer game, drinking some whiskeys. Oh my okay. gosh. I'll be seeing you very soon next week, yes. buddy. Uh, yes, fun. and I also brought the same dots. Professor told me to 2.5 SROs because, uh, well, to be honest, the fact that sold two things sold me that the. the Kim having like over a hundred thousand rounds at the time on them with no failures. And then knowing what Ben does with his guns, knowing how 
Ben, I would pick on the spot. Like knowing that Ben doesn't really take care of those guns, and knowing the ridiculous amount of gold dots that get shot through those guns. <laughs> Joel, so, you want to know something funny? Tell me. I cannot. Like I have to think about it before I field strip my Glocks because I've done it so infrequently. I know. And I would need. I. I'm not saying I can't take the slide apart or the frame apart, but I need to like consult reference material to do that. Uh huh. <laughs> Like, I don't do that stuff a whole lot. But the obnoxious amount of, like, hot, like, gold dot, like, plus P ammo that's went through those guns, the dots still hold up and track and zero. Like, man, sign me up. I am i don't have patience for stuff that doesn't work. So. Yeah. I think that's super impressive. And, yeah, like you guys said, just put, just put tape over the glass. Even if you had just a stage where, like, going to get glare or shooting in the sun, just tape you know like the front of the lens just for that stage even that alleviates the issue so mm -hmm. that's a good way to fix it yeah yeah even if it's just for that stage if you don't like it for the whole match mm -hmm. um okay briefly i have a topic i want to talk about um i guess it would be this week in shooting i suppose uh, i want to talk about sh changing shooting techniques uh so i have a friend that i've worked with quite a bit i've done several private lessons with uh he has, you know, like everyone, he has some habits that may not be optimal. I don't really want to discuss the specifics of the issues because some people will lose the point. But he's really trying hard to make this change. And he works on it for months. I check in with him. He's still trying. He's just not getting where he wants to. It's just, it's not working, you know, whatever. I keep working at it. This is what's happening. We go back to it. Like, I train with him. He goes back to his old way instantly results spike noticeably better it's way less frustrating i mean he's getting to the point where it's like man i don't know what to do i want to change this it's just not happening uh and again it's like let's just just go back do it like your other way don't think about it he gets better results it's like what does this mean you know uh, so i think it's like it's worth talking about trying new things or techniques a change you want to make and how much effort you should make like make towards making the change when it's time to give up and if it's really defeat or not. I think you're kind of the things we're talking about. Uh, so in my mind, like you give something an honest try. So like this guy, you try it. It's not like one dry fire session. And I'm like, nope, that doesn't work. Time to go back to the way I was doing it. But if you try something for, you know, a couple weeks, two, three weeks, depending on what the, what the change is, and you get kind of a gut feel like, hey, this is better. I think this is worth pursuing. Or if it's not working, you're having very terrible results, frustrating, it's just not happening. So like, don't feel like a failure. That just means it's not it's not going to work for you. And some people shoot, you know, people have like cross-eyed dominance or, you know, some people shoot with, with things that we wouldn't call necessarily conventional, like the way we would teach it. But that's just like, that's the way it is. Uh, so anyway, I think that's just kind of, I don't really have anywhere else to go with it other than, you know, try new things. And if it doesn't work, don't feel like, you know, you want to rage quit because it didn't work. But also... Give it an honest try, if that makes any sense. I, I sometimes uh, tell people to look at it in terms of data collection rather than pass or fair, fail. Uh, because because let's say uh, like you shoot doubles drill and you try teacup shooting. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's just group size <laughs> is just way too bad. And you cannot get like three inch group, let's say, 0.2 second splits. With teacup, when you try that, uh, just notice like why it was failing. Like, okay, uh, my I, I wasn't able to grip with the support hand properly, things like that. 
And then as you collect the data and you start realizing, okay, this is maybe the pressure I need on the support hand. And maybe I should be locking the joints a little bit better. So like wrist is swapping and you start noticing those uh, failure points and analyzing things. And then your brain may start developing different sensations. Like your brain now start thinking about, okay, this is what I, how much I need to lock my joint, or this is how much I need to grip my fingers with. Like I got to curl the fingers or palm pushing, whatever it is, the brain starts to think and find the right ways. So it's not really necessarily about pass or fail. It's about data collection and analyzing why that happened. Would that be, uh, Kim, your your phrase, uh, don't criticize, analyze? Yes. Be fair? Just analyze. Yep. Yeah, like what's happening? Is this better or not? Give it an honest try. And if it's <laughs> if it's worth pursuing, that's cool. And if not, like at least you tried it. Yep. Good stuff. Good. Um, can I tell you? I'll add one little thing Please. I think it's funny. Um, nothing makes me smile more, but maybe a little devilish smile. When I see a guy like, like in a class, for example, it'll be like, he's doing it things one way. Then I'm like, hey, try it this way. Like, try gripping a little differently. He does one build drill with this different grip, I'm telling him. And he's like, nah, dude, it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. It it's like, <laughs> it's like, dude, seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So I think there's definitely there are extremes on both sides of it. Yep. And in some cases, it's going to get worse before it gets better because, like what Ben just said, like trying to make a change where, like, hey, why don't you try, Ben, why don't you just try actually hanging on to the gun with your support hand? Like, nope, it's not working. I don't want to do this. It's like, well, maybe you should, you know, like give it more than eight rounds or six rounds to, to try it. It's kind of like stock market. You buy something in the downfall and it's keep going down and you think it's never going to go up and you give up. And then as soon as you sell that stock, the stock goes up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is true. Well, guys, I think this was a bang up podcast. What do you guys say? Their best word. Uh, probably not, but okay. Uh, <laughs> Listeners, if you have a question you want the answer to, go to my website. It's bensteger.com. Send me your question. We'd love to hear from you.